the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. I am so pleased and proud to present my next guest, who is so close to me. Her name is Muna Ellison, and she is Muna Ellison is the she's an entrepreneur, a visionary, and a CEO, publisher of New York Moves magazine. Um, ma- the magazine was launched in two thousand and three. And she advocates for women's rights, and she was way ahead of her times, social fairness and equality and equal opportunity. And um, it was launched in 2004, and actually I was in it, I believe, in two, I was an honoree in 2011, and I go to all her things, and I just recently did something that she's doing. She'll talk about a desktop book. Um, and I just think she is just so outstanding. Muna. I'm so glad you came to join us on the show. Um, I want everyone to know a little about how you got started and your journey. And you're from London, so uh, how did you end up in New York? Uh, First of all, thank you so much, uh, Dottie, for inviting me. My friend and advocate, I love you so much. Um, And I'm excited about... Um, joining you this morning and talking about my journey. Um, so where do I start? How long have you got is the first question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to come back a second time because I know we can't finish everything. You did so many things and I've met so many wonderful people through you. Um, but tell us, how did you, you know, how, where did, you know, how did you, because you did moves in 2004 when you that was your first publication. And I don't think at that point there was much talk about women's rights or anything of that nature. So you were definitely a visionary and in a very positive way. I mean, it was always a positive experience. It was nothing ever negative and it wasn't man against woman. It was just women who were proud to be women and had the same opportunities. So what made you start in New York and how did you, what made you decide to start this magazine? Okay, well, let me let me just uh, pivot back to the first part of the question in that, uh, why New York? I think for me, um, I never ever felt that I fitted in in the UK. Everybody would constantly tell me that, you know, you can't do that. You can't go through the back door and you can't break the rules. And I was never cookie cutter. I was all about breaking rules. <laughs> um, and then um, via my husband, who was a uh, 
pivoting to New York regularly, um, just said, you know, you got to go. you got to go explore uh, what is in New York. And the moment I walked off the plane, that was it. I was just like, my God, this is definitely where I want to be. The energy, the enthusiasm, the fight for space, um, they're just... And, and I think just connecting with people that we're all here for the same reason, right? Just to make noise and um, find out who they are and develop, uh, you know, their path and their journey. Um, so I ended up in New York and I'm now uh, 25 years uh, present here. Um, in landing here, I um, had I uh, collaborated, or how, how do I say? Did I collaborate? I obviously I did eventually, but the two partners that um, invited me to launch the publication um, were two brothers who uh, always wanted to launch a magazine in New York City um, along the lines of something called Miss London that ran in New York as a a publication that talked to careers for women. Um, but then obviously as things evolve, um, you then launch a publication that did have a very strong career presence in the publication when we launched 2003. Um, and then as time changes um, and we realize that, you know, women are far more savvier than people give them credit for. Um, the uh, the essence of the magazine needed to involve and not ever be seen to be talking down to women, but talking up to women and looking at women in a way that they are um, a, a, a strength in their own right. Um, and I think that was the big thing for us. I mean, I started to talk about the magazine as a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I used to say, you know, we're sexy and pretty on the outside. But when you start to read our content, you'll feel the bite of the content. You'll feel the strength of us constantly talking to um, just people in a, and helping them understand that, you know, your fellow human being is so important and the space that you're in and impacting the space that you're in and asking questions, always ask the question. You, nobody needs to conform. You just need to ask questions. If something has happened for years, it doesn't need to continue to happen that way. We need to ask why. You know, why are we doing this and how do we make it different? And, you know, are we stepping up and having a voice to that? So you know, that was the first of the magazine. Um, and then from there, we launched the Power Woman because, again, in editorial meetings, that's where storylines develop. Um, and then in 2004, um, everybody just felt that we wanted to showcase uh, women's successes. Um, and that's how our power issue launched. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but definitely. You did, in, but. In an your power, you know, your magazine, and I, I must say, it was not any particular sector of women. It wasn't a real estate. or the, It was just honoring women. And, gosh, you've had so many women that I've met, movies, I mean, so many major, major big women. Um, and you were applauding their successes and their experiences. And um, everything was very positive. It wasn't... You know, it wasn't anything negative about it. It was just really enhancing women and, and, and giving them a voice. In a time when I, well, if we go back to 2004, uh, things were very different then. I, I Things were very different. So I really feel you were a pioneer. And you celebrate the power of women. 
And again, um, I like men, and so does Mona. So it's not about yeah, men do. versus women. <laughs> okay, it's not about men versus women. It's just about hey, if you know women at at at, at one time, you know, I remember, and I won't remember, I won't say the company that I worked for at the time. Um, they would say to me, well, we're not going to hire women of this age because they'll probably have children and then they'll take time off from work and we don't want that. So there, so many things have changed. But your magazine is amazing. And through the years, I mean, you could just name a few of the people that you've had uh, that you featured. Oh, my because God, it's- yeah, I'd love to. Um, I mean, I think um, a few of the women from 2004 is a really, really great place to start in talking about, you know, some of the women we celebrated and the journey that they're having right now. I mean, Donatella, um, you will know Donatella Appel. She actually is a full-blown restaurateur, a lawyer by um, career. Um, and, you know, we recently photographed her for the coffee table book launch that we're doing in celebration of our 20th anniversary. Um, and it was such an interesting journey. You know, she's saying, Muna, I am like, I started in restaurants only because, only after my father allowed me to um, be in a place where he was like, I need you to have a career. I need to know that you are all set in your ways. Once you've got that, then you can do what you like. And she says, and that's it. That was it for me. I knew I needed to get that done, become this lawyer that I felt I needed to do for because that was my request and requirement of my journey. And then I launched into the restaurant space and I've never looked back, you know. And today she's, you know, moving leaps and bounds and opening up spaces and doing something absolutely phenomenal. I don't even want to, um, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what she's doing, so I'm going to kind of hold that in abeyance um, because she's doing a massive launch um, in Miami. But that's just the journey. You know, we, we in our first year, we also worked with Elizabeth Hasselbeck. She was the first ever uh, person that um, kind of worked in fashion and um, was a footprint for fashion and uh, being dynamic and having a voice to women, but not being frightened to step outside of the regular remit, you know, in what women do and why they do it. Uh, we talk about, we just recently um, photographed um, a, uh, Lauren Tooby, who is an investor and a venture capitalist now. And when we interviewed her, she was working in media. You know, I mean, these people have had phenomenal journeys. We were, Tony Seneca is uh, another young lady that we interviewed. Um, and these people in media who had a voice, Christine Chenoweth was one of our first ever power women that we celebrated. Um, and then when you look at today's uh, honorees and today's ladies that we celebrated from um, Patricia Clarkson to Mira Savino um, to, um, um, oh my God, I'm blanking, Robin Wright, Susan Sarandon, um, you know, uh, people from Gail King, um, the women that we know are change makers and making noise that is making us all feel empowered and uh, feeling as feeling involved and are happy to have a voice to who women are today. Um, and everybody is stepping up for each other. You know, I think it, for the first time I feel uh, women are there for each other. You know, I think the, the space and the landscape has changed, you know, in the last 15 years. Um, I do like to... Um, I do like to believe that as a publication and as, as a voice to women, that 
we were. I think in your words, you know, you were saying that, you know, Moon and you were talking about this before people were even talking about it. Um, and now we all have an opportunity to talk about it and have more um, depth and breadth of as women leaders and our change makers, you know, facts and numbers have shown that if you have a female on your board represented, you instantly will see more diversity, more inclusion and more loyalty, more commitment, um, a better bottom line. You know, I mean, we all know business is a business at the end of the day. Um, and people that are in that space get it. Right. I know. So, so you know, and I find that you know, in the beginning of the show, we were kind of talking about that, where you know, people have journeys, and you know, it, you know, their life is really full of ups and downs, and it's really how you navigate them. And the very interesting thing is, a lot of people I find when with me, and you know, I do a lot of social media, and. Uh, you know, so you know, some people ask about real estate, but I would say a lot of especially young people want to know to me, Dottie, how did you do it? And what you'll find is when you hear about a successful person, you're seeing them at the top and you're not looking at really what they went through and what they had to go through to get to where they got. And, you know, it wasn't always, it's not easy sailing for anybody. Um, so... Mm. I, I think that also hearing people's stories and their journeys and, you know, listen, no, I don't think anyone goes through a journey through life that just is like, you know, everything is perfect. You know, there's ups and downs and how they navigated them. And you have such a, a mix of different personalities, different careers, different types of women. Uh, that's unbelievable. Now it's your 20th anniversary. First of all, how do people get your magazine? Well, like all things, first of all, great questions. I mean, I don't even know where to start. There's so many um, answers there that I'd like to throw at you. And I know that our time is limited, uh, Dottie, but I, um, in kicking off by just saying when you talk about young people and you talk about um, how to have a voice, I think the first thing I would say there to anybody is don't be frightened to share. Don't be frightened to stay with your passion. Um, yes, you, you're going to have bruises on the way in getting there. And yes, you're going to have to fight for your space. But if you believe in something passionately, uh, one of the things, uh, as being somebody who comes from a very close-knit family, from a family that has very strong traditions, um, I brought up the family when I was young because our parents worked around the clock um, and actually had to have more than one job to keep us all in school and, and that was their life and obviously that makes you stronger as a person because you come from roots where you are going to um, have commitments and loyalties and work because that's what your parents did, right? Um, right? And so part of that you bring, I always remember bringing up my younger brother and saying to him because mum was always working so I was the one that was making sure he got to school and he got back to school and all of this and I always remember saying to him when he got into his career path that go to people that you respect go to people and ask them the question that's bothering you you know if you need to make a big life-changing decision go to people that you know are educators or leaders and just ask them the question, you know, say, how would you answer this? What? And because people from different journeys and different lives and different experiences will give you different answers. 
and take those answers and extract the best from everything that people give you and put it in your own Rolodex and then make the commitment to the question and answer that you're trying to find from other people's experiences because based on somebody's experiences is where they would say you need to think about the answer to your question. So that would be my first thing in talking to young people. Mona, I have to interrupt you. I just got a text from one of our listeners um, and she wrote, Um, It's a shame Muna hasn't been featured herself in any of her publications. She is a powerhouse. So funny. Well, thank you for that, listener. That's from Linda. Um, You you are. And and you're a class act. Uh, And I think that, you know, like I said, a lot of people really don't, like I tell people, don't ask somebody who, like, never did anything, you can ask somebody who you feel has accomplished something and more than likely they'll be glad to share it with you. But the stories of all these people and how they got to where they got are really important. And I remember, because when you, when you, when, when a lot of people hear someone successful, well, you know, maybe they had a rich uncle or maybe their parents had money or maybe they did this and going back to 2004, probably they said you slept with somebody. Okay. That was a typical oh thing. God. Okay, um, I mean that. I mean, but that's. I'm. I'm just saying the way it, it was. No, it's not I, like that now. They do, you know. I mean, and, and in in defense of the question you raised there, um, Dotty, I I think one of when you opened up and you said, you know, fearless. I am. I am fearless, and I do say to people that don't be frightened to ask the question because I think one of the things that people are fighting to do is say, well, it'll embarrass me. Or, you know, will I ask the wrong question? Well, if you don't ever ask, how are you ever going to know? And then how do you know how to move forward, right? And I and I don't mind sharing this. I remember when we wanted to launch the magazine, um, the biggest question everybody had all the time was, where are we going to get the money from? How are we going to make it work? And I just ask people, you know, I haven't done it before. I don't know how the launch works. So I talked to people who talked to people and then we talked to more people. And the next thing I know, um, there was a publication that was a tabloid paper that was closing down. And today I wish I knew where this person actually was. And I'll never forget that gentleman said to me, Muna, our paper isn't making money. We have a six month rent paid on our building, but on our building or on our space that we're working in. Take it for six months. All I ask you to do is is cover any surplus costs that you incur. Um, But here, you have a room, you have a space, you have everything that you need. Go, the rent is paid for for six months. Launch. And I am not kidding you. It makes me literally my hair stand on end thinking about that break was the biggest break that we had. And we're going to do this and we're just going to launch it. And everybody was frightened. What's going to happen? You know, who's going to do it? How do we design it? I went, it'll happen. I've worked on magazines. I did that in London. So I had the basis of a grounding. Um, and those, and loved, loved, loved what I did. Um, and we launched. Six months later, we now are four publications in. Camorally Simmons was on our first cover, uh, which was a story in itself. Um, so there's no reason to hold back. I only, I only say to people, don't be frightened. The life, life and world is a scary place today with social media. Right? Yeah, Luna, we're so- coming to commercial, and I know we're out of yeah. time, but maybe you could just stay on the line and, well, 
just give us your last words of wisdom and then maybe you will come back. I'd love you to come back because I'd like to just know what you're working on right now, um, sure. what your next venture is. I know we have another guest coming, but I just, after commercial, just finish up and tell us what you're working on now and then you'll come back and we'll talk about that. You are an inspiration to all of us, including me. I applaud you. We'll be right back. On MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. Queen-size MyPillows. Regular price is $69.98, now only $19.98, and just $10 more for king-size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square to get Mike's amazing offer on the queen-size MyPillow for only $19.98, or call Call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code JOEP. In addition to the special anniversary offer on the MyPillows, you will also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code JOEP to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his MyPillow. Dennis Prager here. Join us in Israel this fall. Soon, time will run out, and then you'll regret you didn't go, I promise. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. That's the name of the tour. We'll be visiting amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk on the streets of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, float in the Dead Sea. In fact, you could even sit in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects and visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you will always remember deeply, fondly. Our expert guides will help explain the significance of every site, and our food and accommodations are specifically designed with you in mind. No other trip will be like the Stand with Israel tour. Sign up today to travel with Mike Gallagher and me this October. Call 855-565-5519 or just visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. You know, born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnels to Towers Foundation has been supporting the heroes who risked life and limb in the line of duty ever since. Detective Joseph Seals served with the Jersey City at New Jersey Police Department for 13 years. He worked with the city ceasefire unit where he helped get dozens of illegal guns off the streets. He was shot and killed during a confrontation with armed gunmen in 2019. He left behind his wife, Laura, and five children. Tunnel to Towers immediately paid off the family's mortgage. To date, the foundation has delivered over 1,000 mortgage-free homes to our country's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and fallen first responder families. Please join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T, the number two, and then T.org. And God bless you for always being there for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. 
We're back, and I'm talking to one of my heroes, Mona Elson. And, uh, Mona, you have to promise you'll come back again because there's too many things that we're just not going to have a chance to cover. But before you do uh, go for this time, but my, you know, I already have a text from God knows how many people that they adored you. Uh, what are you working on now? I mean, what's, what's your n newest project? I know you're working on a, uh, a desktop. First of all, thank you for the invitation, Dottie. Um, and just to sum up, I mean, we're in a, a super interesting space right now. During COVID, we launched our newsletter called MoveSplash.com. So please sign up if you're not already and if you're full of attitude and you like say attitude, that again. Um, yeah, say that again because I'll post it for anybody who happens to be driving or something. What, the newsletter, sure. how do we sign up again? Mooseflash.com, okay. which is uh, the website and the pop-up, and also you can sign up there. The uh, magazine is available at newyorkmoves.com. So you asked also how can we read the publication. Definitely go to, uh, and it's complimentary today because of COVID, we went digital. So definitely inviting all of your guests to sign up or to check out uh, newyorkmoves.com on the website. Um, and then also um, celebrating our 20th anniversary of our Power Women with the launch of a private club called Moves Nexus, purely for our alumni access. Um, and also our coffee table book celebrating the journey women have had over the last 20 years, um, which is super exciting. And it allows us to talk about the journey with our honorees, but also allows us to um, inject in their content that is specific to the path and the impact that women have had uh, in the last 20 years. Um, so interesting things going on, um, a journey we'd love to share with all of the women and men that listen to your um, part, your radio show, uh, Dottie, um, and also, again, endorsing the fact that we don't want any journey without men. We know that men are important in our lives. They impact our lives. Um, and young boys, you know, young boys and girls. Uh, need to be united, need to be in a space where they can talk to each other. You know, all of this is relevant. I think Absolutely. people become too biased and feel that, you know, I think the the long time coming conversation that has had to happen is that the pendulum has to swing so that we have a fair ground to play in, right? We just want an equal conversation. That's all women are asking for. We want to be a part of the journey that men have had for such a long time. The, um, the um, not education, I think I want to say the conditioning that women have had for so long that you're the home owner, you're the home, um, uh, you know, the, the person that stays at home and creates that family environment. I think it has to change. Women and men are so much more equal today. And yes. more and more men are getting this, you know. And oh, more I think and more so. Men are comfortable with this, right? I think so. Um, and I, I want to really, really go into that conversation because I do think you're correct. I think men and more men are very different now, and it's more about sharing, not sharing the yeah. the, the audience. But Muna, um, for all those listening, because she's great, I'm going to post everything on my website, DottieHerman.com, on you. Um, 
So I'll post it on my social media, and yeah. if anybody didn't get it, you can always email or text the radio station. We'll give you the information. Muna, I am going to be in touch with you this week. We're going to get together, and then um, for all of those who just wrote me a million that you were great, Muna will be back again, and we'll continue Thank this conversation. You. Have a great Thanks, weekend, Alex. Muna. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Have a great weekend. Love you. Love you. You'll love, love you. you really. Um, she's just fabulous. Thank you, Muna. Thank you, my darling. Bye. And now we have another fabulous guest on, and that's Pam Pennick. And she's a garden she's a garden designer and she's an award winning blogger, the author of Lawn Gone. Um, and she's contributed to many magazines. And we're gonna ta- talk about a subject that would be very close to my heart since I don't have a low maintenance yard. Low maintenance yards. Um, Pam Thank you for being on Ion Real Estate. Um, Hi, I'm really happy to be here, Dottie. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm just looking, and again, you might have to come back a second time. There's so much to talk about. But you wrote a book all about low-maintenance solutions for your yard. So what's the, so that, that is long gone. How do people get that book? That's where I want to start. Well, the book is available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or, or anywhere books are sold, and um, I, I invite people to to look that up and, and take a look. I do try to provide lots of um, ideas for people all over the country in um, reducing their lawns or removing the lawn altogether, and uh, the book's full of great pictures about that and how-to information. Yeah. Now, um, again, I uh, <laughs> I know about maintenance with. Uh, my uh, lawns and my hedges and things, and I, it's not only costly, it's a pain in the neck. Uh, so I am the first person who would like to know how do you do less, you know, work on your yard, and if you're living on the East Coast, what are the most effective solutions to minimizing um, your yard work? I think um, it really comes down to um, planning out your hardscaping um, before you even think about the plants. Um, so when you're taking out your lawn, you've got to fill that space with something. Um, lawn can be a lot of maintenance, but it's also most people know how to take care of a lawn. So when you're switching out your lawn for something else, you're starting a new process maybe for yourself of figuring out, okay, what do I put in now? How do I take care of it? And so that is kind of a process of educating yourself or possibly, you know, working with a designer who can help you figure out what the best solutions for your space and your plants are for where you live. But I would start with figuring out the design first. And one of the things I tell people is think about how you'd like to use your yard. Like if your yard is entirely grass, it's just turf, Um, And maybe that was because you really needed the turf at one time. Maybe you had kids running around or grandkids or you have a dog. But a lot of us are starting to realize that we don't need quite as much lawn as we have. You know, either it doesn't get used at all, it never gets stepped on except to mow it. And you could do something more interesting, something more beautiful, something to enhance your curb appeal, something that would bring in pollinators and wildlife. You know, those are all the reasons. And like you said, the maintenance issue of lawn is not insignificant. But I will say just very plainly, like there is nothing that's no maintenance. And a lot of people make that mistake of thinking that they're going to get rid of their lawn and they're going to put in 
these other plants and it just won't be any maintenance at all. And that's just not the case. And it's um, there are plants that you can choose that are less maintenance. You can also add in really nice areas of hardscaping. And by that, I mean people places, like places that you walk on or that you sit on, you know, putting in a nice patio that takes up some of your lawn space. And that's once that's in and it's installed correctly, there's very little maintenance involved. You don't have to water a patio. You know, you don't have right. to mow a patio. So the, that kind of thing can really cut down on the on the maintenance issues in your yard. And you can stretch those out into your yard. So maybe you do a, a stone or a gravel patio up by your house, and then farther out into your yard, you do like an area of mulch under some trees and maybe put a hammock or some chairs back there. And, again, that is less space that you have to um, maintain once it's installed and those spaces invite you into your yard instead of just like looking at a lawn that you never use, you now have a reason to go out and, and enjoy your yard. And then now, once you have those spaces defined, you get into the plants that you surround it with. Right. So in other words, you're saying you start with the whole design. And does your book explain that, or do you have a website? Where, you know, how would I go? You know, it just does. that alone is a big. That's a, that's really a hard thing. I know when I uh, redid mm-hmm. my home and I had all glass doors uh, in the back, I, I, it was important to really design the back the back part of the home well also because you could see everything in the back. And so, how do you explain all that in your book that they can people can get? I do. That's really, yeah, the book is really about the idea of, okay, I'm thinking about uh, getting rid of part of my lawn or getting rid of all of my lawn. What do I do? It kind of answers that question of what do I, what do I do instead? Because that's, you're right. That's not an easy um, thing to just know what you want to do. And so it presents different ideas and people can look at those ideas and see, hey, yeah, I might like to try this idea for my yard or you know, this idea. No, I don't want that. But I, these other ideas look like they might work. And then you can incorporate those into your own idea. You don't, you know, most people don't do a whole design all at once. I didn't for my own yard. I did it piecemeal. You know, you do it as you have the budget. You do it as you have the time. Um, and so that's totally a legitimate way of of redoing your yard but i do think people if they want to end up with a lower maintenance yard they really need to put some thought into it ahead of time to think about okay is what i'm going to do um, going to make my life easier in terms of maintenance or is it going to make it harder and you and and my book will help with that and people really just need to think it through and so working with the designer for people who have the budget it does make it easier because those are pros who already know the answers to those kind of questions and can present people with options. And some designers, the way I used to do it when I was doing design work, and um, I would just pre- uh, create a plan for people and the information that they needed to then take it and implement it over time. Okay, Pam, we're coming up to a commercial break. So I want to continue this uh, talking about alternatives to have less maintenance on your lawn. And it's good solutions. We'll be right back with Pam Pennick right after a quick commercial break.
Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life. Every Sunday night, some of the world's most inspirational and influential people join me to discuss health and wellness, professional development, and personal well-being. They share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Take time for yourself. Tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. If you miss a show, be sure to visit our website so you can listen on demand. And while you're there, read our digital magazine and take part in our book club. Visit CYACYL.com. That's CYACYL.com. I'm super excited about the conversation I just had with Alex Kinsella over at Route 22 Toyota. He was catching me up on the landscape of the automotive industry, and I got to tell you, he really seems to have it figured out. Alex and his entire team over at Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey, makes the entire car shopping experience easy. He let me know that while inventory levels are far from perfect, they finally got a nice selection of new cars over at Route 22 Toyota, including RAV4 and Highlanders. Plus, they're holding inventory for local New Jersey residents versus selling them to people calling from out of state. Call Route 22 Toyota at 973-705-8905 and let the team show you one of the area's largest selections of new Toyota vehicles. And be sure to check out their huge selection of pre-owned and Toyota-certified used vehicles while you're there. That's 973-705-8905. And remember to tell them that Joe Piscopo sent you. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for some time. But Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to the first graduating cohort of nursing students. The first cohort began with 20 students and 18 successfully completed. What an accomplishment. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's incredible. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study like their School of Business or Paralegal Studies or School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's P-L-A-Z-A college dot E-D-U. Tweet us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. AM 970. com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back. Um, with Pam Panic, who's written a book, Lawn Gone, and she's talking about low-maintenance yards. You know, Pam, I had a question for you. I've never really seen it uh, on anyone's lawn, but I, I read about it. What, what about artificial turf? Artificial turf is just what it sounds like. It's, um, it looks like grass. It's meant to be played on like grass. Um, it does have a life expectancy. Um, there's some controversy about, about artificial turf. It's becoming more and more popular in places in the Southwest and in the West. And I'm from Texas and you see it here sometimes, um, where people uh, really have issues with not enough water and they still want a lawn. It can be a solution, um, 
but I don't recommend using it like wall-to-wall carpet. You know, like the way we use lawn is kind of, I describe it as wall-to-wall carpet. Most of us, when we buy a house or, you know, if a house is new, it's, it's, it's got lawn across it all the way, wall-to-wall. But really, the most effective use of artificial turf is to use it in a very small defined area, like defined with a nice edging and keep it as small as you can, as small as you really need to use. Uh, because like I said, it does have a life expectancy. Um, it is a petrochemical product. It doesn't, you know, cool the ground like plants can. So there are some pros and cons with it, but absolutely it can be useful in certain circumstances. Right, but, um, not, so, but not like as a whole lawn. No, I really think that's a mistake that a lot of people make in looking for the low-maintenance solution um, because it's just not a green solution. It, you know, it's, it's like putting a, a plastic coating across your yard, and so you know, you, it, just, it, the, it gets hot, and it, it doesn't allow any kind of plant diversity that you could get with actual plants. It doesn't allow wildlife to find a home in your yard, and, and those kind of things are really important now because – we do live, you know, in a much more urbanized um, environment, and most of us are in places where wildlife is really struggling. Um, you know, pollinators are in peril, and we can help with all that by making good choices for our plants um, and not just kind of paving over the yard to try to make it easy uh, with either yeah. concrete or stone or artificial turf. Um, so so you say that there are some grasses that really don't need to be mowed a lot? Are, are... Yeah, and yeah, there are. And I can't, I can't really speak to what plants are going to be good for you and your listeners in your area because, you know, I'm down here in Texas, and right. um, that's the area that I'm familiar with. I'll, I'll, the, the book Lawn Gone Does includes a few plant suggestions for each region, and those were selected by regional experts. Um, so that's a starting point. But really what people should do when they're looking for low-maintenance alternatives is to go to a really good source in their region, like go to their local extension service um, online, you know, the master gardeners groups that are affiliated with extension services, go to a, an independent nursery who really has good staff, who know their plants, those kind of sources. A lot of cities to encourage people to have, you know, greener landscapes will also include lists of native plants or well-adapted plants for each area. And so you can find those online and start there and look for ground covers. Um, so I, there are ground covers that I am hearing more and more about and seeing used more and more here in Austin where I live. And those are called sedges. Sedges are, are pretty low-growing grasses. They're not really grasses, but they look grassy to, to most people. And I use a whole swath of sedge in my own front yard. Um, it's called Berkeley sedge. Now, you know, the kind of sedge that would work for you and your climate might be a different kind, and you would need right. to research that. But but Berkeley sedge, I put, a, I put a whole area. I didn't cover my entire yard in it, but I kind of shrunk my lawn space down, and I took out the turf grass that was there and that I had to water all the time and that I had to mow once a week in the summer. And instead I put in the sedge and it took a little while for it to fill in. You know, I think it took like a, like a year or two for it to really start to look like it was filling in like a lawn would. But now I mow it once a year. I once a year. Only water once a year. And now I do <laughs> let it get a little, I let it get shaggy. You know, it's not like 
it's not going to look like a turf grass that you're going to keep tight and mowed. And it's not a plant that you can go play with your dog on, right? But if you have a front yard where there is no dog playing going on and there's no kid kicking a soccer ball out there and you don't really need the lawn for those purposes, you just kind of want a nice, calm, green space, then that has been a great solution for me. So I love my little sedge lawn. And it is so low maintenance that my one of my neighbors did the same thing in his yard, and um, and I, another neighbor down the street did, did the same, same thing in their yard. So it's been a good solution for us. Yeah, I know I had to look for plants that uh, uh, flowers that deer don't eat because there's always deer, mm-hmm. and they ate. You know, I spent the fortune on lengths of the flowers, and they ate them all. And I yeah. I now have flowers that. Deer, I don't like. I mean, I don't want to put poisons or anything, but these are mm-hmm. flowers that generally they don't like. And I, I could tell you that for the last three or four days, there's been this little baby. Uh, and, I, you know, usually they come with their mother or the mother has a few of them and then she comes back for them. But this one seems to be left alone. It looks like it's only a couple of months old. And it comes mm. and it just, it doesn't eat my flowers because I have flowers they don't like. But it does eat the little grasses. Uh, but I, you know, it looks so skinny that I, I, I don't shoo it away. I let it. Um, so I think yeah. it's important that you, you know, you depending on the area that like, you know, what even you know flowers to use if you're using flowers. And you know, Absolutely. we we talk about uh, value. You know, when you're buying a home, and whether it's in Texas or we have offices in Texas, but whether it's in Texas or New York or you know, any state, California, obviously, uh, I, I believe that if it's done properly, it would absolutely increase your value if it's done yes, properly. I, I completely agree. Um, and that is the key. So it needs to be, the work needs to be done well. And that's the value of having somebody help you. You know, it, it can, absolutely, you can do your yard as a DIY project. And that's largely how I did mine. Um, you just need to make sure you take the time to learn how to install, like if you're going to install your own paths, whether they be brick or stone or gravel, you know, just read up on it and make sure you understand how to do it so that they don't turn into, you know, weedy messes because it's really easy for weeds. And that's really the main thing here is is good installation and then just maintenance. And um, it's that's maybe not the answer that somebody wants to hear if they're thinking, if I get rid of the lawn, I'll have a no maintenance yard. That, you know, that's no that's really thing. not true because there's no such thing. You're going to always have to maintain a house. You're going to always have to maintain a yard. But you can make choices that make that maintenance less or, and also maybe more enjoyable, right? Like right. If, if mowing the lawn is your dreaded chore, then why not put in a low-maintenance ground cover and maybe some pretty shrubs with berries that are going to help the birds. And those kind of things maybe will need maintenance just a couple times a year um, and not every single week having to go out there and do the horrible mowing. You know, so you can sw- think about how to switch up the maintenance to things that are more enjoyable or that just take less of it and that also bring value to your home by making it more beautiful and that help wildlife and, you know, that bring joy to your life because you get to look out on it. Yeah, and, and and as I've I've told people, I mean, obviously, the landscaping that you have, and whether you have a small property or a big property, is important, but it has to be mm-hmm. done right for it to increase the value. I mean, if it's uh, so, would you do you suggest like if someone like you said 
maybe someone's not ready to take a project on and completely redo everything, um, or they don't want to give up all of their lawn, um, mm-hmm. then if they read their book, you would get ideas on, and, and maybe they should work with somebody that is familiar in their regions with what type of plants and, and, and things I would, work well. Yeah. I would absolutely recommend that. I mean, at the very, you know, at the very bare bones kind of um, what you should do, it'd be to do some, you know, do some research before you, like the, the, the easiest thing to do is just start ripping lawn out and then go to the nursery and, oh, they make all the plants look so beautiful and you fall in love with them and you bring them home and you start plopping them in the ground, but you haven't done your research on what really grows well where you live and for the kind of shade or sun that you have. And, oh, you forgot about the deer and they come and they eat everything. You know, those kind of, those are just, we have all made those mistakes for anybody who loves to garden or just have a nice landscape. We have all done that, but hopefully anybody who's thinking about that will listen right now and and hear me and and say, okay, I'm going to do a little research first. I I know I have deer in the neighborhood and I'm going to, I'm going to go look and see what the deer resistant plants are for my region online. That information is all online and, you know, research before you buy the plants. And then maybe I'll consult with somebody in my area who does design or helps do it yourselfers and get them to come out and give me some ideas and make some suggestions or maybe even draw a plan for me. And then you can take that plan and say, okay, this year I have the budget for the space right off my back door and I'm going to tackle that, you know? And so that really helps with the budget and it teaches you how much you can reasonably maintain, um, which is so important. Like with any kind of, gardening or landscaping project it's all about the maintenance and yeah if you do it and you spend the money yeah. and it looks beautiful and then you don't keep it up i mean there's no point mm-hmm. but no i would point, yeah i would say that a lot of people don't mow their lawns themselves so you could ask your landscaper uh for some suggestions and if you don't mm-hmm. have a landscaper there are some you know starting out young landscape architects that are not particularly expensive that you might want to confer. But Pam, um, believe me, that's everyone's problem. You've been great. We learned a lot. And I'm going to post Lawn Gone, the book, and where you can get it on my social media site at DottieHerman.com. Pam, thank you so much, and have a great weekend. And everyone, have a great, safe, wonderful week. Thank you, and we'll be back next week. Hear you then. I was just about to say see you then, but hear you then. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.